Well, we are glad that you're here this evening. If you've been here in the previous Fridays, you know that we're on a series about healing. Uh, we've been teaching and ministering on the subject of receiving and ministering healing. And obviously we believe very strongly that, that God still heals today and that it is his will for all to be healed. And uh, I've had some opportunity to minister in this area. In fact, I've probably ministered more in this area than any other area in, my, in the past 25 years. Having the opportunity to work daily in the healing school at uh, Dr. Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And uh, I just thank God for it. I've also enjoyed health for many years. You know, faith comes by hearing. Amen. It actually dawned on me, uh, I guess this has been probably 10 or 15 years ago. I realized that uh, I had walked in divine health year after year after year. I mean, you know, maybe a little something come up, but I'd just be over it just in no time at all. But, you know, like this little throat thing, just... And a lot of times that's just from doing something dumb, you know. Now, you ever did anything dumb? <laughs> I know one, uh, one time Phyllis and I are traveling with Dr. Hagen and Miss Aretha, and we're going up to Minneapolis and for two weeks. And I'm supposed to sing every night and supposed to speak, and I decided to ride my motorcycle in cold weather right before I went up there. So here I blast around in 30 degree weather for half a day. I mean, I was so cold when I came in, I couldn't straighten out. I was like, I was like this. Well, guess what happened? Couldn't speak, couldn't sing. Boy, I didn't hear the end of it either. Brother Hagin's like, boy, but you had better sense than that, you know? They made, they laughed. They thought it was funny. They, and anyway, we can do things that are just uh, are contrary to laws of nature and cause ourselves problems because we are still mortal, right? I don't care if you do know something about faith, you're still mortal and you've got to take care of yourself and you've got to observe natural things as well as spiritual. But anyway, you know, I had enjoyed divine healing and health for years and, and I realized I'm hearing it every day. Every day I'm hearing it, sometimes two or three times a day, and so I, my faith was strong, and I'm healthy, and it dawned on me, you know, like a light bulb goes off sometimes, ding, I thought, buddy, you need to start preaching more on finances, because my finances weren't so hot, and that's exactly, you know, I, I begin to do that more, and hear it more, and talk about it more, and praise God, he began to bring us up. And up and our faith begin to get bigger and our vision begin to get bigger and our giving bigger and our receiving bigger. And, and you don't, your faith doesn't get strong in an area just by hearing two messages. You understand what I'm saying now? It needs to be an ongoing thing week after week, month after month, year after year. You build strongholds of faith within yourself. And then when something comes up, you're ready, you're prepared. And you'll, you'll overcome it because you have that overcoming faith. Can you say amen? So we've been spending week after week on Fridays on healing, building our faith for healing, and we're going to stay on it for a while. Is that okay with you? I don't feel like I'm close to being through. So you know something better we could do? I mean, I think this is just what we ought to be doing right now. So we've begun studying the individual cases of healing 
that are recorded in the four gospel accounts in the ministry of Jesus, there's only about 19 where some detail is given about what was wrong with the person and what they did and what Jesus did. And let me just review a little bit for those of you that haven't been with us, what we've covered, what we talked about. We look first at the healing of the leper. Anybody remember that? The healing of the leper. And one of the big things we learned about that, he said, if you will, you can make me whole. And we understand it is the will of God. And that's one of the biggest issues. You've got to get settled before you can have faith. You've got to get all the questions about, is it his will for me to be healed? Is it his will for me to be healed now? As long as you've got questions like that, it is impossible for you to have faith to be healed. I know that's a strong statement, but I say it advisedly. You cannot be entertaining questions. Well, is healing for us today? Has it passed away? Does God still heal today? Is it his will to heal me? If you're still asking those questions, then you cannot be in faith to be healed. So that's why we're teaching. He said, if you will, you can. What did Jesus say? I will. It's written. I said, it's written. He said, I will. Do you take it for yourself? Then he says, I will to you. We talked about the healing of Peter's wife's mother, Peter's mother-in-law. He rebuked the fever and it left her. Can you rebuke sickness and disease? Do we have authority over this? If it was the work of God, we ought not be rebuking it. But it's not. It's the work of the enemy. And we have authority over it. Rebuke fever. Rebuke inflammation. Rebuke disease. Rebuke cancer. Growths and tumors. Command them to die. And expect them to. Can you say amen? amen. Can't be wimpy about it. You've got to be bold and do it. Expecting results. We talked about the healing of the man born by four. After watch it, I'll re-preach these. We talked about the healing of the nobleman's son. And the healing of the man with the withered hand. And the healing of the centurion servant. And last week, the healing of Jairus' daughter. And remember, he looked at Jairus and told him at that crucial moment, he said, Fear not. Don't be afraid. Only believe. So we can't let fear in. We have to believe only. Not believe and some other stuff. Just believe. Just expect. Well, tonight, let's go on to this. uh, I guess this will be the eighth individual case of healing we've studied so far. To the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. The healing of the woman with the issue of blood. There's three openings we're going to turn to. We'll go first to Matthew 9, then to Luke 8, then finally to Mark 5. Matthew 9, Luke 8, Mark 5. We'll read the scriptures, then we'll pray, get further into the word. Matthew 9 and the 20th verse. Matthew 9, 20 says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him, And touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself. If I may but touch his garment. I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about. And when he saw her he said. Daughter. Be of good comfort. Thy faith. Has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole. 
from that hour. Hallelujah. You enjoy reading these like I do? How many believe it happened just exactly like this? Said uh, There was a specific woman. This is not a fairy tale. This is a woman who lived many years ago. And she suffered with this condition. How many believe it happened just like this? She reached through. She touched his clothes. And she was healed. Glory to God. Healed. How many believe in healing in here besides me? Does God still heal today? Supernaturally. We're talking about divine healing. Supernatural healing. Well, if he could save your soul, why couldn't he heal your body? Hmm? I mean, if he could recreate your spirit... I mean, that's, that's a bigger miracle, a new creation. Well, if he could make you born again, a new creature, new creation in Christ Jesus, then why couldn't he just do some repair work on an existing facility? I mean, he's not talking about giving you a completely new body, just, just fixing it. How many believe God knows how to fix a body? He made them. How many believe God can fix anything? Anything. I preached a message some years ago uh, titled, uh, The True Cure-All. And I talked about that God can cure you. I don't care what's wrong with you. He can heal you. He can fix it no matter what it is. And I had a man in in the service that day who was a a surgeon, a very high-regarded, successful surgeon, I found out later. And his big problem was he had got to taking drugs to keep him awake and to put him to sleep and, and got so bound up that he, uh, he went in and out of like three different facilities trying to get free and come out and just keep using. And he was at the place where he had about lost his practice. He had lost his family. He had lost almost everything. And he was just desperate and he showed up at our place. And uh, that's what he was there for was to get free from the drugs. But when I came that particular day, I laid hands on people. And when I came to him, I knew what he was there for. I didn't know all the details, but he had told me. He had filled out a card. And and I said, do you believe when we lay hands on you that you'll be delivered? He said, I do. And I laid hands on his head. He told me later, he said, it felt like a band just came off of him. And he knew he was free. And he was free. I mean, months later, he, he sent me a letter from Central America. He was down there doing mission work. Medical mission work had been free. And he said, I got free. He said, but that wasn't the most important thing. He said, I love God more now than I ever have in my life. He's more real to me. He said, that's more than anything, any kind of healing or deliverance. But that wasn't all. He heard me say that God can heal anything. Well, he had a broken foot. It's interesting because he had fallen and had some kind of an accident. And he was a surgeon himself. And they put this temporary cast on it. And they said it was this some kind of compound fracture that he's going to have to go back and have a surgery on it. Then they're going to put a solid cast on it. He's got to wear it for X amount of weeks and it's going to heal up, take so much time and then have to go through a little bit of rehab to get it going again. And But he was so tormented with his drug deal. He didn't even take time to do that. He just got there first to try to get free from his drugs. But when he heard me. He said, and God can heal this too. I said, yes, he can. He said, I believe I receive it. And I said, amen. And I kept going down the line to, to minister to somebody else. And I turned over there out of the corner of my eye. I saw some movement. And I looked. He was taking that cast off. <laughs> and then he did this. Now, I don't, don't, don't do this unless the Lord tells you to do it. But he said, glory to God. And he jumped on that broke foot. 
Well, you've either done real good or real bad. <laughs> One or the other. That depends on if you heard from God or not. And uh, I'm telling you, I was a witness to it. I saw him that afternoon. He had on a shoe. The swelling was completely gone down. God instantly put those bones back together. Now, this, this is not just healing. This is a miracle of healing. Yeah. I mean, he instantly knit the bones together and the swelling was gone. And he never had to have a surgery, never had to wear a cast, nothing. He's a surgeon. He knows about this stuff. God healed him. Amen. Can God fix anything is what I'm saying. Can he heal anything? Somebody needs to hear this tonight. God, said out loud, God can fix, can heal anything, anything, anything. You care what it is. A lot of times people put up with stuff that they don't have to put up with. Uh, chronic things and problems. Year after you just put up with it. Put up with it when you could be healed. Didn't the scripture say you have not because you ask not. And of course asking in faith is the key. But let's keep reading. Go to Luke 8. Luke 8, 43. Said, And a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians. Now who's God using to pen this? Dr. Luke. And he gives us a little more detail about the physician side of this thing. And this is important because extra detail is given here about the physician side than in probably most any other case recorded. He said that the woman had this issue of blood. Other translations say hemorrhage. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years. Well, now that's a long time to be losing blood and to be hemorrhaging. And she had spent what? Not just a lot. She had spent all her living upon physicians. It can be expensive to be sick. Can it? Yes. I mean, somebody one time was asking me, I got a sports car, uh, and it's paid for. It was paid for before I got here. And somebody was asking me about, actually, I had a real bright, had a bright yellow. I mean, one that hurt your eyes almost. <laughs> and I went out to get in it one day, and, and, a, and a fellow minister, he came by, and he saw me getting in that car. He says, that's your car? I said, yeah. He said, brother. He said, that's not you. <laughs> I said, brother, you just don't know me. This is me. I like loud and fast. Amen. Don't tell me I don't. God must like loud and fast. How about thunder and lightning? It's loud and fast. Anyway, you know, somebody's asking me about that. Well, you know, uh, what about this? Well, you know. I could, I could buy a new sports car pretty regular just off the money I save, not partying, not smoking, not drinking, not doing drugs, not going through divorces. That's worth several cars. (laughs) Not being sick. How many sports cars could you buy with that? Not being just no doctor bills. Phyllis and I have gone year after year after year just Healed and blessed and, and free. Well, and besides that, if you, we've given cars to people. Amen. Just giving them to them. Well, then you ought to get some reaping out somewhere, shouldn't you? I mean, there ought to be some reaping coming down the road. 
So uh, it's just wrong thinking, but it's expensive to be sick. It is a money robber. I didn't say the doctors were money robbers. Thank God for the doctors. But just going through the sickness, being sick costs you, doesn't it? It cost this woman everything she had. Now, he said that she spent all her living on physicians. Notice that he adds this, neither could be healed. He was a doctor himself. He said she couldn't be healed of any physician. You know, thank God for physicians. But, you know, there are some Christians and some ministers that tell us that God, Jesus did heal when he walked the earth. And the disciples healed. They had that power as a sign to show the authenticity of the church and to get the church started. But when the last apostle died, all that ceased. All these healings and miracles ceased. And now God's given us doctors and medicine to heal us. Well, if he did, we've gone downhill. Terribly. Because... uh, so, you know, somebody said this one day, this, they're asking this minister friend of mine in another country, he was, he was advertising for a healing meeting, and he said, everybody come. I don't care what's wrong with you. He said, if you have AIDS, come. If you have cancer, uh, whatever you got, come. And some news media showed up, and they wanted to try to make him look bad, and they said, well, uh, you said anybody come. AIDS, anything. You believe anybody could be healed of anything? He said, absolutely. They said, what if you pray for these people, and they don't get healed? He said, well, they're no worse. He said, the cemetery is full of people. The doctors tried to help. Why aren't you over there interviewing them? See, people think wrong, don't they? No. He said, he has an accent, a South African accent. He said, well, they're no worse. No worse. And that's, that's a good thought. We're, we're endeavoring to help people. Amen. Preachers should be endeavoring to help people. Doctors should be endeavoring to help people. Yeah. And if somebody didn't receive their healing, that didn't prove that the doctors are bad. Right? right? I don't mean we ought to be against hospitals and try to shut them down. But if somebody prayed for somebody and they didn't receive their healing, that didn't mean you're supposed to be against uh, people that preach healing. Amen. Or against ministers or churches. And it doesn't prove it wasn't God's will to heal them. It's just for some reason they didn't receive. Still God's will. But now back to this. Some will say, well, God has given us. They'll even go so far to say in 1 Corinthians 12, you know, where it talks about gifts of healings. They'll say, well, that's the doctor's. God's given us doctors, and he's given us science, and he's given us medicine, and these are the gifts of healings that he's given. See, people that don't believe in the fullness of the Spirit and talking in tongues and the supernatural, that's how they explain away some of these passages. Absolutely no. No, gifts of healings are not doctors. Thank God for doctors, but God is still in the supernatural healing business. Can you say amen? By his power, by his anointing. No, doctors and medicine are not a replacement for God's healing power. They are a natural helps to his healing ministry. Can you say amen? Amen. They are a natural helps. And as such, they're limited. People like to think we live in a day where science can fix everything. But it can't, friend. 
There's too many times it happens every day all over the world. And so soon that people look at you and say, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. Well, then if you had all your faith and confidence in man and in science, you're in trouble. You're hopeless. Go back with me to uh, Second Chronicles, please. Dr. Luke was a physician. And I don't know of any reason to presume that he stopped practicing medicine when he became a minister. I know of nothing to indicate such a thing. Understanding some things about how the Lord works, you understand there's both a spiritual side and a natural side. Just last week we studied about how this little girl, Jairus' daughter, was raised from the dead. And as soon as she was back to life, what did he tell them? Give her something to eat. Well, why? Well, her sis- she's been dead. I mean, her systems have been non-functioning. And the Lord says, do something natural now. I mean, that's about as spiritual as you can get. Somebody's spirit coming back into their body and being raised from the dead and being supernaturally healed. But immediately on the heels of that, he says, get some nutrition into her. Amen. This is the master. Right? right? I mean, the prophet Isaiah. He... uh He told Hezekiah to take a poultice and put on a part of his body. Paul told Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach's often infirmities. Now, you know, every drunk knows that one. (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah. Paul said, take a little wine. Well, uh, that's a far cry from a fifth of whiskey. (laughs) Some people surmise that there were problems with the water in that area and he said drink no longer just water but take some of this but anyway there's medicinal things and natural things that help but don't misplace your faith in men and medicine let me read this and then I'll I'll explain why I'm, I'm emphasizing this second chronicles 16 second chronicles 16 and 12. Second Chronicles 16:12. Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. In other words, he sought on the actually, I believe it's the NIV. Anybody has an NIV close here? NIV, what does it say? Read that out loud, Dave. The last part of that. He didn't seek help from the Lord, but only the physicians. Did you hear that? Not from the Lord, only the doctors. And verse 13, what happened? He died. He slept with his father. He didn't, he didn't make it. He didn't recover. Now, we thank God. For doctors and nurses and researchers, I pray for researchers regularly. I'll hear of something going on and I'll say, Lord, help them. Help them to find some some things to deal with that disease. Help them to find, I pray and get in faith about it. But this is not a, a replacement of God's healing ministry and power. This is simply a natural helps ministry to the far greater healing ministry of God. 
And we mustn't get our eyes on man and off of God. Whether it's healing or whether it's any other thing. Now Asa did the same thing with his whole nation. He did the same thing. There, in, in the beginning of his reign, they were overwhelmed with an enemy force. And they put their trust in God. And they believed God. And God gave them a supernatural deliverance. Later on, when he had money and he was more comfortable and a similar thing kind of happened, he just tried to buy his way out of it and tried to use the arm of flesh. When he got sick, he did the same thing. He just went to man instead of endeavoring to believe God. Well, when you don't know any better, it's one thing. But when God has moved for you and healed you and, and answered your prayers and miraculously delivered you and then something else come up and you know what to do you know to go to God you know to believe him but you just ignore him and put all your hope and trust in a man it's a problem people can misplace their faith i know in in a healing school i saw this too many times and sometimes people are just so hard headed and so focused on something they won't listen to you I don't know at the times that people have come to me and they found this, it's this great diet that's going to cure them of this cancer. And they get their eyes on that. And if I'll do this every day and I'll do this every day, it's going to heal me. Well, in this case, their diet has become their healer. Oh, man, that's how you die. A lot of them I know are gone. Or, or this new procedure that they're going to come out with and that's going to do it. That's going to fix me up. And they get their eyes on that. Watch out. Who's your healer? The Lord is your healer. Amen. If your faith is in him as your healer, then if men look at you and say, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do, you don't fall apart. Because all your faith wasn't in them to start with. Right? Your faith is in him. You can still be healed. All things are possible to him that believes. Oh, friend, if I could tell you how many supposedly hopeless terminal cases I've seen that are still alive and kicking today. They were, they were said to be hopeless. They were given up. Oh, should have been dead. I'm thinking of one 15 years ago. Should have been dead and buried 15 years ago. He's stronger now than he was five years ago. Oh, don't let somebody tell you that. Have your faith and hope in God. You know, the same thing is true financially. Beware of getting your eyes on something. I've, I've seen businessmen, I've seen preachers just completely get off, getting out, oh, this thing is going to make us rich. This is the thing that's going to put the church over. This deal is going to do the whole deal, the whole thing. And they get their eyes on this deal. Well, any time that that deal becomes your provider, now you're not seeking unto the Lord, you're seeking unto the deal. Or you get your eyes on people. Or this man, he, oh, this man is going to finance the church. This man's going to back us. He's a, he's a billionaire. He's going to take care of it. Listen, you're about to mess up. No man can take care of everything you'll ever need in life. So you best just get your eyes off men. Lift them up a little higher. Get your eyes off of men and on somebody who never sleeps, who never slumbers, who never fails, who never forgets, who's never unfaithful, who'll never let you down, who never runs out. So quickly, I don't care what man it is, you can get to things where they can look at you and say, well, man, that's just too much for me. I don't have that much. I, I don't know what to do with that. But God will never tell you that. He knew what to do before you ever asked him about it. Who's your healer? God's my healer. Now, it doesn't mean you can't go to the doctor. doesn't mean you can't have a procedure. doesn't mean you can't take a medicine. But you should do all this under him. 
Amen. If the doctor tells you you should have this surgery, don't just say okay. Did you hear me? Well, this is important. I should take some time with it. I'm thinking of two cases right now that exemplify this, experiences that I've had. One was a uh, a man, and uh, this individual, they said they believe in God. And uh, the doctors recommended surgery immediately. And they uh, they said, no, no, I'm in faith. I'm believing God. And the Holy Ghost actually moved on Phyllis that she should have the surgery. And she went and talked to her supernaturally and said, uh, now, now I, I believe in faith as much as anybody. But is your faith at this place? Or are you just pretending? Are you playing games with this? Are you just scared? See, people don't do things just out of fear. Well, that's certainly not faith if it's fear. Well, she she did. She listened, and she went on and had the surgery. And, man, the doctor said, Whoo, if you'd have waited another week, we probably couldn't have saved you. But she completely recovered and is fine today. Had the surgery. She should have had the surgery. Uh, I remember Brother Hagin, Brother Kenneth Hagin, saying at times he'd be off in a meeting. And the Lord deal with him about a relative of his. Get up, go to the phone, and call them. Tell them, go to the doctor now. Not tomorrow, now. Go to the doctor now. Would the Lord tell you, go to the doctor now? Yeah. yeah. Why? Well, couldn't he just heal you? Yeah. But you don't receive according to what he can do. You receive according to your faith. And he knows where your faith is at better than you do. And so he'll lead you according to that. And so there are times when people are, are trying to act like they've got more faith than they do. And they're pretending, and there's some people that are dead today that could have went on and had a simple surgery and been all right, but they are trying to act like they had faith, and they didn't, and now they're gone. But there's the other side of this. I'm thinking of a man right now, a friend of mine, wonderful man. And uh, he told me himself, he, he was having heart symptoms, and it went on for like five years. And, and he told me, he said, Keith... He said, my family wants me to have this heart surgery, but I know I shouldn't have it. He was a man that prayed, a man that knew God. And he said, you've laid hands on me. He said, I I believe I received my healing. I said, fine. I mean, he told me out of his own mouth, I know I shouldn't have that surgery. And uh, his family just wouldn't leave him alone, though. Just kept bugging. Oh, you gotta, ha- Daddy, you gotta have this surgery. Uh, you know, you gotta have this surgery. Papa, you gotta have this surgery. You gotta have it. And he went on and yielded to them and died on the table. He looked me, I'll never forget it, looked me in the eye and said, I know I'm not supposed to have it. Well, friend, when you know you're not supposed to have it, you best not have it. Right? Yeah, but the doctors say, the doctors don't know everything. God does. He lives in you. Well, should I have it? Should I not have it? You should pray and hear from God. You should be led. Amen? Because he knows where your faith is at. And, uh, you know, somebody said, well, it's either go to the doctor or believe God. Oh, no, no, no. You go to the doctor and believe God. And if he leads you to do something, I sure wouldn't let him roll me into a cold operating room unless I had prayed. Amen. And I'm believing the Holy Ghost to come on that surgeon and guide him perfectly. Keep him from making any mistakes. And then speed up the healing process in the body. 
We've seen wonderful results praying like that time and time again. And then we've also, Phyllis gave one tonight, of a person who didn't have to have the surgery. Just believe God and his whole. But you don't try to mimic and imitate somebody else. You've got to believe God for you. Amen. And so you hear from him for yourself. This woman had exhausted the expertise of medicine. Had spent every dime she had and was nothing bettered. She was worse. And Dr. Luke says she couldn't be helped of any doctor. Well, when your faith's in Jesus, though, you're still not hopeless. And we don't even believe in that thing, terminal. Incurable. What is that? To who? Maybe to man, but not to God. Not to God. Well, keep reading. Let's finish this up. Then let's go to, to Mark's account. In Luke 8. You know, the answer to a million and one questions is be led. Did you know that? There is no, there's no preacher. There's no set of books. No set of tapes. There's no thousand volume set that tells you what to do in every situation. If anybody ever comes out with one, don't buy it. <laughs> Here's our 10,000 volume set on what to do in every situation. Uh-uh. No, no, you ain't the Holy Ghost. But there is somebody inside you. Hallelujah. Who lives inside you, who knows everything about you, past, present, and future, knows everything about your uh, uh, anatomy and your systems. I had a fellow come to me one time. He said, Brother Keith, he said, I'm drinking about eight cups of real strong coffee every day, and I feel like it's hurting me. Should I stop? (laughs) Well, did you pick up anything in that? He said, I feel like it's hurting me. Another way of saying it, saying that I believe this is hurting me. That alone will cause you untold problems. If you believe something is hurting you. Right? Then your faith's working against you. The door's wide open for all kind of problems. Somebody said, well, so-and-so, they drank 10 cups of coffee a day, and it don't seem to bother them. Well, that's between them and God and their system. Some systems handle things differently from others. And what works for somebody else and is not a problem for somebody else might be a problem for you. And it can be a simple thing. You know, a fellow missionary told a story about being in in the field one time and he's out in the jungles and it was real humid and they were having an extended meeting and man he just got so weak day after day he couldn't he could barely get up to go to the pulpit and and it got to the place where he is in the bed the whole time in between services just trying to get enough strength to get up and get to the uh, pulpit and so he's praying he said lord What's wrong with me? I'm confessing all the healing scriptures. And the Lord spoke to him and said, put a little extra salt on your food. A little extra salt on my food. Well, it couldn't be that simple, you know. He's believing for something big. and So finally, he just pulled a little, immediately began to feel better. And put a little extra salt, a little extra salt, until he's just strong and going again. Sometimes it's a simple thing. And the Holy Ghost will lead you and show you. Let me tell you about a, actually it was a spectacular experience that I had. You know, these kind of things don't happen all the time. I don't always tell everything that, that I've had happen to me, but I think this was applicable. This is what, uh, 15 years ago or so. I was, uh, speaking a lot. Some weeks I'd speak 26 times a week. I was really, that, that's, that's a lot. 
And uh, going and traveling and just did some dumb stuff, too. I mean, you know, I'd speak 20 times in a week. Hang a plane to L.A. Because of the time difference, I could get out there and speak on Friday night, get up the next morning and and have three services on uh, Saturday, fly back, be there in time for church in Tulsa on Sunday morning, start over again on Monday. Now, that's young people do dumb stuff sometimes. But anyway, in the midst of that, I I woke up one morning, just a few uh, hours before daylight. Actually, the Lord woke me up. In my, it, it was funny because it was I, I wasn't really awake, and yet my spirit was just totally alert. And it was an amazing thing. It was like I was in a uh, doctor's examination room, just as real as, as me looking at you. Yet I'm laying in the bed. And, and somebody walked up to, you know, I'm sitting on the side of the bed, uh, the examination table, and somebody walked up and pulled up this stool and sat down, and I knew immediately it was either the Lord or it was the angel of the Lord. I don't know which, but it was one of the two. And he looked at me just like a doctor would, and he said, Keith, your body is deficient in certain electrolytes and amino acids. And that was it, just like that. I was awake in my bed. Unusual experience. And I thought, hmm, what's an electrolyte? (laughs) Maybe that's something you'd find in a car battery, you know what I mean? (laughs) Electrolyte. Now, I'd heard of amino acids, but I didn't know much about them either. And uh, so I just, you know, I thought, hmm, isn't that interesting? And just went on, didn't try to do anything about it. Well, man, within about two days, something was wrong with me. I began to feel bad. I mean, I began to feel weak and disoriented. And I began to have problems and realize something, something's wrong here. And, of course, being lightning fast like I am, I remembered. How <laughs> <laughs> many know if I'd have been smart, I'd have got out of bed and started looking up electrolytes. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. But no, I... I just thought, hmm, that's interesting. I went on for like two or three days. And uh, I had a friend of mine that that their son was in medical school. And we called him and he began to tell me about what it, uh, tell them what it was and some supplements that could help build me up. And I got a hold of those. And I mean, just within a day or so, it's all gone. Every symptom was gone. Well, see, the Lord, if I listened to him right off, I would have avoided that. So why didn't he just touch you and heal you? Well, he made natural laws too, right? We shouldn't expect him to suspend all the natural laws every day for us. I mean, if there's something, you know, that we require a suspension of it in a miracle, he can do that kind of thing. He can make the sun stand still, right? But should he have to make the sun stand still every week for us? Uh, No, no, no. Now, I just said all that to say this. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you, right? He knows you. He knows your system. And he will lead you out of problems into health. He'll lead you out of sickness and disease into complete wholeness and soundness if you listen and if you follow him. If he deals with you, start this, then start it. If he deals with you, stop this, then stop it. If he deals with you, cut this in half, then cut it in half. But now don't go and try to teach everybody that that's what they're supposed to do. Did you hear me? In fact, the Bible speaks against preaching diet. 
Did you hear me? First Timothy, go over there and read it sometime. First Timothy, you know, chapters three and four, especially, he talks about, well, y'all are interested in it now, aren't you? Go to, go to first Timothy. How are we going to get through with this message? And we keep taking all these, these side trails here. First Timothy and the fourth chapter. First Timothy, the fourth chapter. In verse one, he says, the spirit speaks expressly in the latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What kind of doctrines? Devilish doctrines. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And he gives examples of these doctrines of demons. One of them is forbidding to marry. You know there are denominations that do? They say you can't be a minister if you marry. They forbid to marry if you're going to serve God. That's not in the Bible. Did you hear me? It's a doctrine of devils. I don't care who preaches it, who says it. He goes on to say, and commanding to abstain from meats. Well, meats doesn't mean meat like we think, steak and pork and that kind of thing. That's flesh. That The word uses the flesh for that. Meat simply means food. Foods. Commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creation of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. It's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So we ought not preach against foods and preach diet as the healer and savior. Did you hear me? If you know something good, fine. You can say something about it. But then people should be led by the Holy Ghost in their individual lives as the application of these things. And never get your eyes on a product or a vitamin or a diet or an exercise regimen. And this is going to save me. This is going to heal me. This is going to, well, your faith is in that instead of Jesus. And it's misplaced faith. And that's how you can perish and die. Now, I'm not telling you theory. I'm telling you cases I have seen, sad cases, where I've pled with people. Now, okay, all right, you know, if you want to change your diet, that's all right. But that's not your healer. Oh, yeah, this is going to... No, Jesus is your healer. Get your eyes on him. Amen. You don't even know a fraction of what's going on in your body. The best doctors in the world only know a fraction of what's going on in your body. Amen. He knows everything. Amen. Amen. And he can fix everything. Just obey Him. Just follow Him. Believe you receive your healing. This woman had spent every dime she had. She sold her property. She sold her jewelry. She sold her furniture. She had spent all her living. She had suffered many things of many physicians. She had been through every kind of surgery, every kind of thing, and suffered and went through a lot of... How many know sometimes a treatment seems worse than the, the problem? I mean, we should be led... In doing things. I've seen people that have, you know, taken medicines they should have never taken. Medicine caused more problems than the existing thing. We should be led. Don't just blindly follow any man. Me, any preacher, any doctor, any lawyer. Don't just blindly follow any man. In this day and age, they shall not tell everybody, know the Lord. He said, they will all know me. From the least to the greatest. You have the Holy Spirit in you, just like I do, or anybody else. Hmm? Everybody say, he leads me and I follow. Do you believe that if you listen to him, he will lead you out of debt into plenty? 
He will lead you out of confusion into peace. He will lead you, if you listen to him, he'll lead you right out of depression into joy unspeakable and full of glory. You believe if you listen to him, he'll lead you out of sickness into healing. He'll lead you out of it if you listen to him. And it'll involve spiritual and natural things, but he'll lead you if you'll follow. Covering a lot of ground tonight, aren't we? The Lord is through us, helping us. Now go back to, uh, you're at Luke 8. I don't think we got quite through. 8, 43 we read. And uh, this woman couldn't be healed of any, 43. 44, she came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stopped. Her hemorrhage stopped. Now notice, what did she touch? She didn't touch Jesus. She didn't touch his skin. She touched what? She touched cloth. Didn't she? One translation says the tassel of his robe. The, the edge, the border, it says here, of his garment. So she didn't actually touch his leg or his arm or any skin. She touched cloth. And what happened? And immediately her issue of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Now, uh, why did he ask that question? Because he wanted to know. (laughs) (laughs) Who touched him? (laughs) Now, you might say, well... Why do you say that, Brother Keith? Because some people wouldn't believe that. They say, well, no, he's omniscient. He knew. Mm -mm. No, then this question is misleading. He did not operate an omniscience. He laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. Yeah, but sometimes it says he knew their thoughts. Same way you could. By a word of knowledge. Did you hear me? Why would he pray in the garden? Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass. Well, wouldn't he know if there's any way or not? I mean, case after case after case. He said uh, the, the Father knows, but the angels and the Son of Man don't know that hour. Now, it's different now, him sitting at the right hand of the Father. You understand? But as he walked the earth, he emptied himself. And, and he sensed, we know from Mark, power flow out of him. He said, who touched me? Why did he say it? Because he wanted to know. Who touched him? Right? Keep reading. Jesus said, when all denied. Now Luke's the only one that says this. Luke 45, when all denied. How many denied? That would include the woman, wouldn't it? Did she deny that she touched him? Yeah, initially she did. All means all. He looked around. He said, who touched me? And everybody's going, I didn't touch you. I didn't touch you. He looked around. She's back in the crowd. He looked at her. She said, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. She was scared. You know one reason she was scared? She didn't ask if she could take a healing. (laughs) Jesus is not having a healing meeting. He's not laying hands on people. He's just walking down the road. 
She didn't even ask if it'd be okay for her to take a healing. She just came and took one. <laughs> she did. She just came. Never mind the unbelieving naysayers that's passed away. She could care less about all that. Is it his will? She must have believed so. She wasn't even questioning whether it was his will. Maybe if it wasn't, she could just grab one and go before anybody knew. (laughs) Now, the reason I'm saying this, I want you to understand the power of faith. The power of the individual's faith to come and lay hold and take something into yourself. Whether the minister was even thinking about it or not. Brother Hagin said, uh, this has been some months ago, he was in Luby's, eating. It's one of their favorite places to go. It was always a deal because Phyllis didn't care too much for cafeterias. And, and they'd go, wow, there's a Luby's. And she'd groan and he'd laugh. And we knew that's where we're going now. But uh, he saw a fella as he was walking out of the... Uh, Luby's and the guy said hi and he just stood there and talked to him and just put his hand on him like this and talked to him for just a minute and walked away and the man was healed from something that had been bothering him for I don't know 15 years well brother Hagin wasn't necessarily trying to minister to him but the anointing is there and this man had respect for the anointing just believe he received Amen. amen glory to God Well, this woman didn't even touch Jesus' foot. She didn't touch his hand. He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't pray for her. She just, we read earlier, she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his clothes, I'll be whole. If I I can just touch, just touch his garment. She had that in her heart. I shall be. If I can just touch, I shall be. Not, not might, maybe we'll see. And man, she pressed through. And when she touched, she took. Everybody say took. She took a healing. Now, what a difference in the mentality of some, even during a healing line. I've had people come up, you know, and we preached to them and talked about believe you receive. Well, Mark eleven twenty four. what things serve you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. If you look up that word, it literally means take, T-A-K-E, believe you take them. Faith is like the hand that reaches out, lays hold of something, and receives it, takes it to itself. It's a real thing. And even after all that, I've had people come before in the healing line, and you go to pray for them, and they're like this. (laughs) Or look at you like this. In other words, give me your best shot. Bless me if you can. (laughs) Is that believing to take? That's resisting. Ministering with the anointing, you'll find it's very tangible. There's some people you pray for, the anointing is just like a vacuum almost. Just receive anointing out of others, there's a repelling. A repelling. It's just as real as a natural thing. Just as real as you holding something out in your hand and somebody taking your hand and pulling it towards them or somebody pushing it away. Just that real. How many believe spiritual things are real? Well, let's go on over to Mark 5. I know we're not completely through here, but go to Mark 5 and notice how he describes this actual reception. Mark 5, 25. Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years 
And had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus. How does faith come? Oh, she heard about Jesus and people getting healed, and she went through the effort and came in the press behind and touched. Everybody say touched. There was a point of contact. She believed when she touched, something would happen. Touched his garment, for she said... Faith says, doesn't it? She said, if I may touch but his clothes, I what? I might be. We'll give it a shot. We'll see. No, no. Faith can tell you ahead of time how something's going to turn out. I shall be whole. And straightway, immediately, the fountain of her blood, the hemorrhage, was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue, power had gone out of him, he turned him about in the press, and he said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. So now by this time, he has revelation that it's a her. I guess still not the individual, but perceiving that it's a her. So word of knowledge is like that. It's a word of knowledge. Not a sentence, not a paragraph, not a book of knowledge, a word. Huh? And you'll know a thing. You won't know everything, but you'll know a thing. Now when you know something from God, be like this. Don't back off of it. He said, somebody touched me. And all the people around about him tried to talk him out of it and say, oh no. Now you know, people's brushing you on every side. Sure they touched you. What do you mean? He just ignored all that. He said, no, no, I said somebody touched me. Who touched me? He looked around the whole crowd and they're going, uh-uh, no, I didn't do it. I didn't. He looked at her. She went, mm-mm. But he wouldn't quit. He said, somebody touched me now. Go ahead, fess up. Who was it? Who touched me? And I mean, it was getting uncomfortable, I imagine. And that's why his disciples finally said, Lord, everybody touched you. He said, shh, somebody touched me. Now, come on, who touched me? Why? Because it was real to him, the anointing that flowed. Now, she just touched his clothes. Do you know cloth can uh, conduct the anointing? Do you know that cloth can act as a storage battery? of We had testimonies from guys that we sent cloths from this church, and guys over in Iraq put them in their helmet and wore them through the whole conflict. Never got a scratch. Never had a problem. Had God come on and keep them from getting in fear in times of uh, uh, danger? We've had people take a cloth from this church and put it in a a pillowcase and sleep on it and wake up healed. Why? Well, how many remember Acts 19, 11, and 12 said how God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. Well, what's handkerchiefs and aprons? cloth they were brought to the oppressed and the sick and it said when the cloth was laid on them that the evil spirit or spirits went out of them and the disease or diseases departed from them well it wasn't the cloth that healed them it was the anointing it was the anointing that healed this woman but the anointing jesus wore it wearing those clothes those clothes became saturated with the power of god didn't they and she just grabbed a hold of that cloth and anointing came through that cloth and came into her It was the power of God was so real that he felt it go out of him. She felt it come into her. 
It was surreal. It stopped him in his track. He's walking along. People are brushing him. It's a throng touching him. And all at once he went, whoo. Oh, what was that? Not the casual touch. Not the curious touch. Not the accidental touch. The on purpose touch of faith. That's what he felt. Amen. And finally the woman came. And fell down before, fearing and trembling. I told you she was scared. And knowing what was done, she came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy place. How many believe he's glad about this? He didn't want her to be scared. No, you you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, but I came and took a healing. Didn't even ask anybody. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're in the healing business. That's good. You didn't have to ask anybody. It is the will of God. It's always the will of God. Amen. Somebody to be healed. Always the will of God to be healed. He could have said, daughter, God's power has made you whole. He didn't say that. He could have said, daughter, the anointing on me has made you whole. He didn't say that. What did he say? Your, where did he put the emphasis? Your faith. Has made you. Why did he say that? Well all these other people were touching him. If it was just the power. Why weren't they healed? Why wasn't there things popping all around him. Just from people brushing up against him. Or casually. Or even out of curiosity. The power alone doesn't do the job. It's faith that gives action to the power. Faith that receives the anointing. She touched him on purpose. Can you say on purpose? That's the way it works in healing lines. When people come on purpose. And when people on purpose lay hands. And people believe they receive on purpose. The faith receives the anointing. He said, daughter, be of good comfort. Be at peace. Your faith. Say it out loud. Your faith. Your faith has made you whole. Brother Hagin, when he was on the bed. And the doctors had given him up to die. This is one of the things that got him off that bed. That uh, the Lord brought this to his understanding and showed him. He said, because he thought everybody he heard preach said healing had been done away. Nobody was telling him that God still healed today. And he said, the Lord asked him this question. He said, did you notice it was her faith that made her whole? He thought, yeah. He said, well, has faith been done away? He said, no. He said, have you ever heard anybody say faith's been done away? This is the Lord talking to him. He said, no. And so the Lord said, no, and you never will. Because if faith's been done away with, there are no Christians. It's by grace through faith, right? I mean, there are, there are no salvations. And he said, he, this is what helped him tremendously. And I want you to get it in your spirit. He said, if her faith would make her whole, your faith can make you whole. Yeah. Oh, do you believe it? Is he the same God today that he's always been? Everybody said out loud, my faith can make me whole. Say it again, my faith can make me whole. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.